Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. We're talking a lot lately. It's been on my heart lately. And you've heard me repeat it again and again from this pulpit. Return to Pentecost. We need to return to Pentecost. I don't want to go back to 2019. A lot of people say, oh, I wish 29 we'd go back there, this pandemic thing. Nope, we don't need to go back to 2019. We need to go back to Pentecost. As a matter of fact, our, our leadership rally this year will be held the first weekend in November. Our directors and, and I and the pastors will be there. Our theme is going to be the return to Pentecost. Because God has done an amazing work here. He's done incredible things. He's brought us through this time and continues to lead us that way. But there's a specific reason why he's imparting on us the desire and the need to go back to Pentecost. And I'm going to get into that a little bit today. I believe I'm going to get back into that a little bit today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, starting there, it says this. Quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. You can be seated this morning. That was purposely not a very long passage to read. It's exactly what God had given me in preparation for our time this morning. The word quench in that phrase, in that statement that, that, that Paul makes as he's writing to the Thessalonians, quench not the spirit, the word quench imparts fire. As a matter of fact, it denotes the dousing of fire, the reducing of fire. And what he's talking about, or the putting out of fire, it's, it's something that obviously, actively based on that phrase, it's, he's telling the Thessalonians, don't quench the spirit. That would tell us that only you have the ability to do that. It's an action that you can take. And he's warning the Thessalonians, don't quench the spirit. Don't put out the fire. Why is he relating the word quench with the spirit? What does that mean? Have you ever thought about that? Many of you, if you haven't heard of that phrase, raise your hand. I didn't think so. Why would he use that terminology? Well, I'm talking about going back to Pentecost. You see, Pentecost, at Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the day that Jesus chose to return to earth in the form of the Holy Ghost, there wasn't, and Sister Angela, don't take this the wrong way, but they didn't have a musical core there. There weren't piano players, and there weren't trumpet players and drummers and all those different things. Brother Imel, there's nobody playing electric guitar in the upper room on Pentecost. But what they had was a group of people earnestly, desperately seeking God and what he had for them. Because the Savior, just a few days hence, it said, go into Jerusalem and tarry. That means wait until you're endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 and 8. He told them to go and wait. They had no idea. They, were, they, were, they knew that he had died. He had, he, had, he had been crucified. They watched this happen. They're confused, they're hurting, they're, they're, they're wanting more, they're seeking this power. He promised them that the kingdom of heaven was nigh. But he tells them to go sit in this upper room, go pray at the temple. That was the big church in Jerusalem, by the way. There were no piano players, there were no drummers, there were no psaltery, there was none of that. But there was a group of people earnestly desiring to find God, earnestly desiring to make it to that new place, to see what it, exactly what it was that God had for them. Sitting in a room or standing, I presume, in a room, urgently and desperately and fervently praying. Because that's what Jesus told them to do. 
Now we know that the manifest of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, how it happened as they were praying, waiting faithfully, you know, they had no idea. They had no idea how this was going to happen, but faithfully, they stayed there and they prayed. Folks, it all begins with a foundation of effectual, fervent prayer. James chapter 5 and 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That scripture uses the word fervent. That is based, it is the root word, and that is fire. Fer, fiery, fervent prayer. And that's what the apostles were doing. The disciples were there all together in one mind and one accord, praying fervently. And what happened? The manifestation of the Spirit that came into that room that day, Jesus returned to earth in the form of the Holy Ghost, and it rushed into that room like a mighty wind powerful and it sat upon them like cloven tongues of fire fire is something that you can quench you know God could quench it too obviously but why would he do that so Paul's acknowledgement to the Thessalonians his, his plea, his command quench not the spirit was clearly a command to take hold of your will. Don't put it down. Don't sequester it. Don't just go skating through life. Don't just take the words that we have, live the Christian life, and do nothing with it. We know from the parable of the ten virgins, when the oil runs out, it can run out. We know that the oil there is represented as the Holy Ghost. I've preached it 15 times, probably even in the last year. That fire can go out. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, don't quench it, don't let it go out. Acts chapter 4 and 31 says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. They spake the word of God. In that particular instance, that spake the word of God, they're talking about that powerful, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost, Holy Rolling stuff that you guys are aware of, that fire that comes from us when we praise and we worship. You know, the world doesn't like it when we talk about that stuff. Makes us a little bristle a little bit. Don't say it out loud, Brother Cordell. I've got friends here. That's, that tongue-talking stuff is kind of strange. But in Acts chapter 4, they saw the place where they were standing was shaken because they were praying so fervently, speaking the word of God. And what I'm saying to you is that there's a power in exercising our right and our ability to not quench the spirit, but to let it flow through us and be powerful and strong. So many of us are worried about what's going on out there in politics, how, how they're, uh, they're sequestering our free speech. I heard some nonsense about Facebook and Twitter shut down some story about something revealing some candidate, whatever. And we're up in arms about all of that. You know that the enemy replicates what he does out there inside the church as well? Do we have a rage? Do we have an anger when the enemy's trying to sequester us? When he's trying to convince us that we should be quiet? We should shut down? Well, pastor, I'm not a very exorbitant person, exuberant person. I just don't get that way. How about if I hand you a lottery ticket that wins a million dollars? How many people have you ever seen these... these clearinghouse TV commercials and stuff like, hey, you just won a million dollars. I'm not very exuberant, so. I'm telling you when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, 
It's greater than Publishers Clearinghouse. It's greater than winning the lottery. It's greater than getting all the possessions you could possibly want in this world. It's a powerful thing. It's Jesus Christ living inside you. It's the power to make it through this life. It's the fervency and the power that you can stand over somebody, pray over them, and watch God execute a healing in their lives. That's a million dollars. That's the power that we have within us through the Holy Ghost. Don't quench the spirit. If it's in you, if you've got it, don't quench it. Live it. Get it up and speak it. Talk it. Shout it out. Because the enemy's out there. He's louder than us. He wants to be. Man, there's just, there's just noise and loud. The enemy doesn't mind speaking in his tongues. Boy, turn the radio on one time. Turn the television on one time. Turn on CNN or Fox News or, or some movie or whatever. Rap music and all this other stuff. The enemy loves to blast his tongues out into the world. He loves to divide, just pour it all over us. The Bible says that the enemy comes in like a flood. Well, you know what? The Bible tells me that out of my belly will flow rivers of living water when I execute the fervent, executed prayer of the Spirit in God's name. I can flood the enemy more than he can flood me, I guarantee you, because the Bible says that greater is he that is within me that is than he that is within the world. Don't quench the spirit. So is it just strong prayer? Is it just a, a show? Is it just, uh, just showing off the spirit of God that's in us? Is it, is it just an action? It's visible. It's audible. It's evident. It's a testimony to the people around you. It's a faith builder. It's something that encourages you, the power that you can have. Somebody in this room needs to hear this message today. God is going to say something through me that you need to hear about your spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm here it comes. There are people in this room that received the Holy Ghost sometimes many, many, many years ago. But you have sat, and you have sat, and you have sat, and you have sat. You've been faithful, you've been kind, you've been good. You go to work every day, you do your job, you do what you're supposed to do. But you have quenched the spirit. You have sat quiet, and you have not let that spirit flow from you, the rivers of living water flowing out of you. Does that make you a bad person? No, it does not. But I'm going to tell you right now, you need to hear this. Don't quench the spirit, because the oil will run out. I'm coming to you urgently today, folks. I am so far off my notes right now. I'm telling you urgently today, if you've got the spirit, if you had that moment somewhere in your Christian walk where you knelt down at one of these altars and you asked God to forgive you and cleanse your soul from all the sin in your life and you turned around and stood up and somebody prayed for you and you began to speak in that sweet heavenly language that you started worshiping God, you said that's something that I don't know, that I don't understand. You've been filled with his spirit. It is visible. It is evident. It is an experience. And there's one way, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I'm going to get into some of that evident stuff here in just a minute. God's talking to me. I'm telling you, God's talked to me. If you have not stood up, if you have quenched the spirit, folks, I'm telling you. It's not an act. It's not something you're doing wrong. Don't listen to the enemy. He's telling you, well, I can't fake that, Pastor. I can't get up there and do that. I'm embarrassed. I got pride. I don't want people to see me. I don't want to look like a hypocrite. Devil, get out of here. I don't want to hear that stuff anymore. Don't quench the spirit. You got to get up. You got to get up and say no more this day and no further. 
I'm going to stand up and I'm going to let that tongue fly because those rivers of living water are going to take that enemy and I'm going to send him running. If this stuff starts flowing across this room, there's a lot of empty seats I'm looking at. A lot of empty seats. If this starts flowing across this room, on the day of Pentecost, when they stood up in that room and they were worshiping in the spirit, those people said, are these folks drunk? Are they crazy? What's going on here? How is this even possible? They were from all over Asia. They were from everywhere. They had their own language, but they were listening to Galileans. They even identified them as such. Jesus' disciples were from Galilee. They had a dialect that they spoke. They had clothing they wore that identified who and what they were. And these people said, what in the world is going on here? And Peter stood up and said, no, they're not drunk. It's the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. Well, today that might be different. But then it was just crazy to think they'd be drunk. But the point is, is they weren't supposed to be able to speak those languages these people were hearing. And because of that, musicless, conversationless, partyless, socialists, you see what I'm saying? All this stuff was without that place. It's not to say we shouldn't have music. I'm not picking on Sister Angela. We, God wants us to worship. Read Psalms. It's all over. I'm just saying, on that day of Pentecost, when that, that exuberant expression of God's spirit was flowing, those rivers of living water were flowing from these people and they were speaking languages that they weren't supposed to know, but they were glorifying God. Like it said in Acts 4.31, they were speaking the word of God. That's what they identified. They're glorifying God in these languages. They're not supposed to know. That's my language. How is this possible? But folks, I want to tell you, but because of that day, 3,000 people were saved. Not because we had a good program. Not because our music was modern and great. Not because our church looked a certain way. But because people were praying in that upper room and letting that Holy Ghost fly. They weren't quenching the spirit. They were letting it fly. 3,000 people were saved one day and shortly thereafter, 5,000 more were saved. 5,000 more, 8,000 people in a matter of just a few days. Why? Because a group of people said, we're not gonna quench the spirit. We're gonna let it flow. See, this is the one thing that's different. I've been in zillions of churches across this country, all different faiths, traditional faiths, wonderful people that love God and know God and, and have read his word. Wonderful but they've been convinced to quench their spirit. It's wrong, that's not the way we do this. I got the spirit because I said I believe God. I got the spirit because I was baptized. I got the spirit because the, the head dude behind the pulpit threw some water on me. I'm telling you, it's a lie. It's wrong. It's not scriptural. You can't find it. You can't show me where that happened in the Bible. But I can take you into the place of the birth of the church, the book that took us into the establishment of all the churches in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and on and on and on were established in the book of Acts where they weren't quenching the spirit. They were letting it go. I'm going to try to find my place in here. You remember, Jesus said it himself. He was there in the garden. Nicodemus, the Jewish leader, coward that he was, comes by night, sneaks in there. I don't want my buddies to know I'm talking to you. And he comes in and he talks to Jesus and asks him about this, this born-again process and how it wouldn't be saved. And what does he tell him in John 3, 5? He says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. Why did, why did he say it that way? If you get the spirit when you're, when you're reborn, the water... Why do you say water and spirit? Why do you identify two separate things in that sentence? Anybody know English? There's participles and nouns and adjectives and all that. 
The, I think the and is a conjunction between the two identifiers. I don't remember. Except you'd be born of the water. You could easily, because of the way that sentence is structured, say, and born of the Spirit. Well, it's an interpretation, Pastor. No, it's not. Jesus said, if you don't do it that way, you can't enter into the kingdom of God. Well, that's powerful. What's, what are we doing this for? Why are we in this deal? Why are we suffering through the things that we suffer through? For the kingdom of God. You know, last time I spoke a couple weeks ago, I talked about the two types of repentance. There's that repentance that gets you in the game, and then there's that life of repentance that we live. Well, we don't live baptism over and over again, but I'll tell you what we do. We live the rebirth of the Spirit every single day. And we've got to do it. Why? Because Paul said it. He got the word from God himself. Don't quench the Spirit. That's the most important thing. It's the Spirit that quickens your mortal body according to the word of God. What does that mean? It's what will transform you. It's that Spirit active in your life that when God returns and the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise first, your body will be transformed by the quickening or the transformation of the Spirit inside you, the Holy Ghost. Well, I believe I got it when I, believe, when I said I believe God. You want to be sure? You want to take that chance? Listen, friend. If you believe you got the Holy Ghost or you got the Holy Ghost in you because you accepted God as your Savior, okay, because I've accepted God as my Savior, clearly. But listen, if I'm right and you're wrong, one of us is in trouble. We've both done the same thing. I believe God. I've accepted God. He's my Savior. I've been down in the waters of baptism, but I'll tell you what, my Bible again and again and again tells me that there's that special event. There's something different that happens when I go to God and say, God, I want your spirit living inside me. He's not going to put new wine into old wineskins. Come on now. Verse 8 in that scripture says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it come. And whether it goes, when the wind blows, you hear it. Okay? Now, why did he say that? Because he said, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You have to be born of the water, and you have to be born of the Spirit. Now, the water makes sound when you go down in it, but there's a visible thing that's happening there. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, you go down in the water. We can pretty much see that. Yep, he was baptized. She was baptized. But half people tell me, well, I have the Holy Ghost. What's your evidence? What, how do you know? Well, because the Bible says, if you believe in the Lord, you'll be saved. But I'm looking at a God. I'm looking at Jesus saying, except you're born of the water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he tells you, when the Spirit comes on you, there is a sound that you hear thereof. It's like the wind that came into the room, in the upper room, in Acts chapter 2. See, these, these thoughts and these ideas are congruent, and it continues out through, through, the, through the Word of God. Look at uh, uh, John chapter 7. Turn there quickly with me. John chapter 7 and 38. This is Jesus speaking now. He that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, I quoted this early, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the spirit. It's not literally water flowing out of you. 
It's the Spirit flowing out of you. Well, why does that flow out of you? What does that mean? Because it's evidentiary. It's the sign. It's the commitment. It's, the, it's, the, it, it, it's that, that, that experience that you have. It, it, it just becomes evident when you have expressed that you have the Spirit in you that will flow out of your body like rivers of living water. And he says, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, that's your first evidence right there that he's the Holy Ghost. He's coming back. See, this was before Acts. This identifies it for you. He's the Holy Ghost. He just hadn't been glorified yet. He hadn't been crucified yet. Excuse me, he hadn't been uh, ascended yet. Pardon me. So he's talking about the Spirit when he's talking about these rivers of living water that they that believe on him should receive. It doesn't say they do receive. It doesn't say that when they believe it, they receive. It says that they that believe on him should, future tense, receive. It could say they that believe on him receive. It says should receive. You follow that? Don't give us an English lesson, Pastor. That's boring. Mark chapter 16, 16 and 17, you're very familiar with it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay, that establishes that covenant. And baptism is a covenant, by the way. That's very serious. It's not an action just to show that we've, we've done an outward expression of faith. It is a covenant with God. Romans 12 tells us that we're buried with him in baptism so that we can take advantage of the likewise resurrection that he partook in. That's a function that we need to be ready for. We need to be coming up out of that water grave and get that old dead man off of us. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That makes sense. But then 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils and they will do what? Speak with new tongues. It was the predecessor of the action, the thing that happened on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. John 14 and 15, verse 14, excuse me, John 14, verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking again, and he says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, and neither knoweth him. Okay, now why would God, why would Jesus say another comforter? And does that word just simply mean someone that just stands up, oh, it's going to be okay? Is that what comforter means? No. It's someone that's going to teach you and cover you and strengthen you and embolden you and give you the words that you need, give you what you, those scriptures that you need when you're witnessing and that anointing that you need when you're preaching like a fool and you don't know what you're doing because God just threw your whole thing out of whack. That's what the Holy Ghost does for you. That's, the comforter doesn't mean, doesn't mean he's just going to sit here and go, it's going to be all right and just catch on the head and tell you everything's okay when things hurt. But the reason that he said another comforter is because he is the comforter. As a matter of fact, if you look at that translation, the word another in that particular verse, it means another of the same kind. So he's literally saying, I'm, gonna, I'm a comforter to you now. I'm teaching you now. I'm building you up now. I'm, I'm covering you now in my friendship and my relationship with you and what I'm teaching you. But I'm going to send you another. Another of the same kind is coming. It's me. And how do we know that? We're going to get to that here in the next part of the verse. 
Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. The world can't receive this. I'm sorry, if you just, if you just step up and say, I believe God, you can't receive it that way. You still have the world on you. There has to be the repentance part. There has to be the beginning of a relationship. It doesn't say believe him not. You understand what I'm saying? Because it seeth him not and knoweth him not. You know the book of James, I think it's chapter 2, says that the devils believe and they tremble. Is that a qualifier? Is the devil going to be filled with the spirit or the rivers of living water flowing from him? No. We deal with it every day. Surrounded by media and movie and televisions and magazines and, and, and internet and, and news channels and all that stuff. That's his rivers of flowing death that we listen to with the enemy every single day. Just because he believes doesn't mean he's going to be saved. He believes and he trembles because he knows what his end is. Let's go on in, in that part of verse 17. It says, but you know him for he dwelleth with you. Now, when Jesus is saying, you know him, he's talking about himself. He's talking in the third person. He says, you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Well, I felt a real good, warm, fuzzy feeling. When I go to church and I've accepted God, I feel this warm, fuzzy, and I know God's with me. You look into the scripture and you look at these throughout, throughout that whole message and again throughout Acts. It's in you, in you, in you, in you. That's that intimate relationship that he's talking about in Matthew chapter 7 when people are going to stand before him and they're going to say, hey, didn't we do all these great things in your name? God, didn't we pray? Didn't we cast out devils? Didn't we do wonderful works? And Jesus is going to say, I don't know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. That word iniquity there means lawless. He's saying you're lawless. You didn't follow my word. I don't know who you are. I don't have that intimate relationship because my spirit is not in you. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you comfortless. And here's the proof. Remember I said earlier, he's talking about himself. He said, I will come to you. Who's the Holy Ghost? Who's the Holy Ghost? Who's the Holy Ghost? Amen. Just making sure it all got everywhere and all the nooks and crannies. I will come to you. I'm the comforter. I'm the another comforter of the same kind. And I'm coming to you. Why am I expressing that so much? Why, why am I so emphatic about that? Because I'm trying to get some folks to say, if you've quenched the spirit, you got to understand, it's Jesus inside you, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the commander of the universe, the president of everything is inside you and ready and willing to work with you and use you in his kingdom. Don't quench the spirit. Recognize the power that you have inside you. Stop listening to the words of the enemy. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I sinned last week. I got a problem I'm dealing with I can't get rid of. So what? Find that living place of repentance that I told you about two weeks ago and just let that spirit fly. Stop quenching it, but let it roll. Pray. Worship in those tongues. Worship in the spirit every single day. I'm telling you, God is telling me right now, if you learn to do this, you're going to save your very soul. But if you keep that spirit quenched, you're not going to make it. I can stand here in confidence, knowing that this is the will and the word of God. If you quench that spirit, you're not going to make it. 
Like I said, the virgin, the ten, the ten, the ten virgins of the oil, five of them ran out of oil. They were gone. They, they knocked on the master's door. They weren't let in. They missed the kingdom of heaven. Remember, that parable starts out with the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins. Remember that? Quench the spirit and you'll, you'll run it right out. Be refilled. Every chance you get, every opportunity you get. Get up in the morning quietly to yourself. Get dressed. Pray in tongues. It's okay. It works. Get in your car. Drive to work. Pray in tongues a little bit. It's all right. Acts chapter 8 and 14. I'm going to take you there. 8 and 14 says this. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word. Okay, they'd been preached to. They received it. What does that mean? They believed they received, they didn't reject it, they received it uh, of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 16. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Well, wait a minute, they received the word. They believed. Clearly, they didn't run. They're still there. Peter and John came, showed up, didn't go, come up to a room of em, an empty room of chairs. There were people there who'd received the word of God, but he had not fallen on any of them. Means he didn't come on to them. He didn't, they didn't receive him. Why? He says that only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. One of the many examples, by the way, of how baptism was literally and commonly executed in the word of God. They'd just been baptized. Well, this doesn't make sense. If you get it at baptism, why are these people sitting there and it says that the Lord, that the Holy Ghost had not fallen on them. Only they were baptized. They had believed and they were baptized. Well, it goes on in verse seven. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Well, how do you know? They could have easily said that when they believed. Here's how. In this particular instance, there was a man here. Many of you know what I'm gonna talk about. Simon the sorcerer. This is a guy that earlier in the scriptures, you can go back later and read up the front part, and it talks about Simon, how he was beguiling people in the city using sorcery and tricks and all of these things. Now, what's amazing about this is Simon's listening to all this. This is a bad dude. This is a dude from the world, okay? But listen to what it says in verse 18. It says, and when Simon saw through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power, what is he possibly talking about? If he's standing off in the distance, a bunch of people just laid on, prayed him and everything, and it was just this no big deal, and they just got the Holy Ghost from that. What, what's Simon so excited about? This guy, was a, he was a huckster. He was a hustler. This guy was hustling money and tricking people with sorcery. He was a money man. This guy wanted to use his money to pay for what he just saw. Now you tell me something visible, something audible didn't happen in front of this beguiling huckster who was just trying to get a buck all the time. He's going to spend his money on whatever these guys were doing? Are you kidding me? He saw something. He saw something powerful. And he said, I want this. Let me buy it from you. Come on now. Give me also this power, he says. He didn't just say, hey, let me, show me how you do that trick or show me how you do this thing. He said, give me this power that on whosoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, but Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Well, that's obvious. But I want to take you back to verse 13. 
This is the part we often forget when we talk about old nasty Simon the sorcerer. Look what it says in verse 13. It says, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Come on now, you understand what just happened here? This sad, sick dude who was, who was stealing people's money and playing sorcery and tricks believed and was baptized. How about that? But you know what he did? Come on, somebody tell me, what did he do? It's the title of the message. He quenched the spirit. <laughs> Is this on? He quenched the spirit. In other words, he took the worldly mentality. He took the worldly philosophy. You understand? He believed. Well, if you, if you get it when you believe, then he should have the Holy Ghost already. This dude was willing to give up his money to get what they were doing. But look at that beautiful phrase at the end of that. He said he had been beholding miracles and signs which were done. What did Mark say in verse 17? These signs will follow them. Follow them that believe and they will speak in new tongues. Man, if that doesn't tell you right there, there's something awesome about this power, that there's evidence, there's visual, auditory evidence that God does something powerful in your life. And I wanna tell you today, I'm gonna go back to this again, the devil wants you to shut up. The devil wants you to come in here and be quiet and demure and, and professional and wants you to just go about your life and your quiet prayers. You just keep on believing. You just keep on enjoying that baptism you had 38 years ago. But you be quiet, Christian. You be quiet because I don't want your rivers of living water drowning out my CNN and Fox News and, and movies and TV and, 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 and all this other garbage I'm pumping through the radio. I can't have you being louder uh, in the world than me. People need to hear my death message. They need to hear that the world's going down and they got to vote for characters that are willing to kill babies. I got to let that keep going. You can't let your rivers of living water flow that out. I'm going to come in like a flood. You can't overflood my flood. I'm going to go about like a roaring lion. You can't be like 10 roaring lions. I can't have that. Don't do it. Shut up, Christian. Just sit there. Just don't do anything. And the rest of the people that are worshiping and raising their hands and they're seeing miracles in their lives, financial health and, and relational and addictions, and those things are getting broken and shredded because they're not quenching the spirit. You go ahead and sit there and don't do anything. Just be quiet. That's what the enemy wants of you. Well, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be quiet. We speak in tongues. We let the spirit flow. We praise and we worship. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Wake up. you got to wake up. The devil is standing at your door telling you to shut up. Devil, you get out of here in Jesus' name. You've got no place in my church in Jesus' name. Bless you, Lord. Come on now, let's praise. Let's praise him right now. Put it into action right now. God, we worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. 
I'm not ashamed, I'm not a best. Somebody wants to know what I'm doing. I'll show them in the word of God. You're hearing it today. Our job is to evidentially show and let those rivers of living water flow from our bellies. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to sequester. I'm not worried about making you comfortable. I'll make you welcome. I'll make you content. But I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to tell you that you can't quench the spirit of God and expect to make it. If you're doing that, you're just playing church. Oh, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.